Hi, we are Fusion Church located in Fishkill, New York. Welcome to our podcast. We are deeply passionate about reaching people with the gospel and seeing lives changed. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message will inspire you and bring you hope. Enjoy. Hey, welcome everybody. My name is Pastor Armando. Super excited uh, and pumped to jump in with you to a new message series starting today called Travel Light. And yes, you guys see it uh, right here. I have taken out the Christmas flannel, so you know it's getting serious. This is our Christmas series we're launching today, and Christmas is just about... just. A, about 20 days ahead of us yet. And I don't know about you, but I'm still full from Thanksgiving. Um, and now I'm having to think about Christmas and it's this time of year. So many of us start to feel a little bogged down, right? We get a little stressed. We think about, oh, the big get together, family's coming. And for some of us, that's exciting, but it's still a lot of work. For others, it's like, ooh, family's coming. And we're like, oh, I hope the argument doesn't break out. I hope that, that discussion that keeps coming up just goes away, right? So many of us struggle so much. Uh, with our families over the holidays. Some of us are like, I can't even afford the holidays. How am I going to get gifts for my kids? How am I going to get gifts for my loved ones? And some of us are, you know, just overall just hurting, right? I mean, Christmas is an exciting time of year for some, but for others, it's a really painful time of year, right? There's people today that are missing loved ones and you're thinking about people that you've lost and, and the holidays can be so difficult for so many people. And yet, also exciting at the same time. But on some level, we all get bogged down. We get bogged down by the stuff of life. And so many of us find ourselves really in a wrong direction. So many of you find yourself sometimes feeling a little lost because you have weight on your shoulders. There's literally the stuff of life that you feel like sometimes you're drowning in, sometimes you're being overwhelmed by it. And you know what? God never called you. He never called you sometimes to wear the things that you and I are wearing, the stuff that bogs us down. And this message series is really designed to help you and me to learn how to let go, how to let go and let God, to let go and to be free from those things that weigh us down, those things that, that hurt us. And uh, I got to tell you, it's time that you and I go for it, that, uh, th- that we get to a place in our lives where we're so filled with God, right? That's really what this message series is about. We can get to a place where we're so filled with God that we don't need stuff to make us happy. We're so filled with God, we're not bound or bogged down by the stuff that weighs us down, right? When we talk about stuff, for some of us, it's it's uh, really two groups of people, right? For some of us, it's the physical stuff, right? We got to buy more things and have more things and we collect things and we hoard things and we find our purpose in the things we have. For others, it's emotional stuff, right? Stuff maybe we don't want to carry, but we've been so used to carrying it that we're bogged down by it. And what we're doing is we're collecting hurts and we're collecting wounds and we're collecting all sort of stuff. And every one of us on some level is a collector. The question is, what in the world do you collect? The psalmist says this, uh, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life uh, in your ways. I incline my heart. I got to get up from what I'm I'm doing and I'm going to face your testimonies, God. I'm going to, I'm going to change my value system. I'm going to change my perspective, God. And I'm going to, I'm going to look toward you and not toward selfish gain. You see, uh, our eyes are going to look in a direction, but there's only really two directions that you and I, that you and I look, right? We, we look at ourselves to serve ourselves, give ourselves what we want, what we think we need, or we're going to turn our 
direction to God and we're going to serve God, right? And, and, and what the psalmist says here is to incline my heart, I'm going to actually, I'm, I'm going to push against the grain. I'm going to push against gravity. I'm going to do the uncomfortable thing and I'm going to be intentional and I'm going to force myself. I'm going to push myself. I'm going to realign myself with the things of God so that I'm not focused on me. I'm not focused on the things of selfish gain to turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. You see, some of us, have been holding on to worthless things for so long in your life. And guys, maybe the greatest gift to give yourself this Christmas is the gift to let go. Some of you are like, hey, I'm trying to follow Jesus and you know what, I ask God for forgiveness, but I can't let it go. Look, if God forgave you, you need to leave it in the past. And what's covered by the blood, don't go uncovering that. What do I mean by that? If you're new to faith or you're spiritually seeking, what does that mean covered by the blood? It simply means that Jesus, he died for you and I on the cross of Calvary, right? He died on that cross, he paid our sin debt. And in order to pay that debt, his blood ran so that you and I, ours wouldn't. So when it's covered by the blood, it means it's forgiven. And so many of us resurrect what's forgiven and we hold on to past hurts and wounds and resentments and bitterness and guilt and shame. And we're mad at ourselves and we're mad at others. And what the psalmist is saying is I have to turn my eyes away from those worthless things. For some of us, Man, we compensate, right? Instead of holding on to the hurts we're aware of, we keep them under the carpet of life and we go buy things and we search things out and we collect things to bring us hope and value and purpose. And we, we hold on to things. And the psalmist is like, I gotta take my eyes off of those worthless things and I have to place my, my hope and my life in you. I gotta tell you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to remember this. This is not your home. This is not your home. Scripture reminds us that we are only travelers through this world. We're citizens of a greater kingdom. This is not our world, our home. We're citizens of heaven. We're ambassadors of Christ here, which means representatives of God, which means you and I have really important work to do. You have really important work to do. And as we approach this Christmas season, man, I want to encourage you not to get caught up in the Christmas production. And what I mean by that is this world, man, it's about money. It's about selling goods. It's about buying gifts. It's about producing Christmas. And man, the way the world does it has nothing to do with Jesus at all. And I think that's been detrimental to so many Christians spiritually because what is the, whole, the, the purpose of Christmas, the intended original purpose? We know that Christmas, uh, you know, December 25th wasn't Jesus's exact birthday. Like we know that, but, we've, but the early church placed uh, that there as a holiday for us to remember, to keep our hearts right, to realign ourselves with Jesus. It's a, it's a day of remembrance, guys. To, to realign ourselves with the things of God so we don't get distracted. What was the purpose of the gifts? Initially, originally, the purpose of the gifts were not to fuel an economy. The purpose of the gifts were not to be someone's favorite aunt or favorite uncle or favorite parent. The purpose of the gifts weren't to go in debt. The purpose of the gifts was that I'm gonna give you a gift and as you feel the excitement, the joy of this gift, that gift is to remind you of the greater gift the greater gift, Jesus. And it's supposed to actually just be a representation of what Jesus already did for you and I, which is for the forgiveness of sins and to be able to be brought back into right standing with God. Like, guys, that's what <clears throat> Christmas is about. If you're anything like me, it's so easy for us to get distracted. And even though this isn't our home and we're ambassadors of Christ and we're called to live different than the world lives, we get 
caught up so much in the culture of what the world says Christmas is and how the world celebrates Christmas. And I think for you and I, guys, it's time we, we got to push back a little bit. My, my hope for you is that this message series will help you to free yourself from the stuff of life that weighs you down, that bogs you down, whether it's something you've been carrying in your life or so, something you need to let go or maybe something you've put your hope in. It really doesn't matter. Like, okay, you got a really nice car. That Tesla's great. That Ferrari's awesome if you can afford that. But it doesn't make you more valuable as a person. Matter of fact, it doesn't give you more, uh, doesn't validate and affirm you anymore. It's just money. Money comes and goes. You can make it. But who are you really if we strip each other of all the stuff we own? Like, who, who am I without my possessions. Like that's, that's really who we are. So it's my, my hope that, man, this message series is gonna free you from that stuff and you can discover how to live the life God has called you to live, a life of joy. All of us collect, right? I know for myself, here's the truth. About once or twice a year, I, I go in my garage or I go in my basement and man, I, I look around and I, and I sit there, scratch my head and I wonder how in the world did all of this stuff get there? How did I collect it all? Where did it come from? And then I have to like do this big kind of cl like year end clean out and I got to give things away. I got to sell things. I got to throw things away. But, but really, how did it get there? It's always a fear-based thinking, right? I'm going to need this one day. So I put it up on the shelf. I'm going to need this at some point, I think somebody might need this, so I'm gonna leave it here. And I end up saving all this stuff out of fear that one day I'm gonna need it. And we end up collecting a lot of stuff, right? We end up storing up for ourselves a lot of stuff in this life. And some of you are like, that's not the stuff I wanna get rid of. The stuff I wanna get rid of is the pain of past wounds and hurts that lay deep, deep inside my heart and, and in my soul. And what the world tells you is the more stuff you can collect and hold on to, somehow the better you are right? The world doesn't teach us how to deal with our hurts and wounds well either, right? It's all about self-medication. Buy more, you'll, you'll feel better. Uh, more, 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 more. That's the society that you and I live in. And the truth is, there's a guy in the Bible who had it all. He had everything you and I have ever dreamt of. Everything that you have ever dreamt of, King Solomon himself had. Who's King Solomon? He was the son of, uh, uh, um, of David and Bathsheba, and he was about the richest man the world has ever known. This guy owned it all. He owned vast lands. He owned more gold than you and I could ever dream up. He had the equivalent today of trillions of dollars, right? In today's currency, uh, he makes Bill Gates and the richest men in the world uh, look poor. He makes A-list celebrities look like nobodies. Like this was King Solomon, had it all and somehow after accomplishing all of that, after having everything that the, man, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life could want, everything your flesh would desire, he realized he actually had nothing. Let, let's jump into Ecclesiastes chapter one. I'm gonna actually read for you guys most of the first chapter. We're, we're gonna go from verse one to 10. Uh, I'm just gonna read it through and we're gonna, we're gonna see really where this guy's heart was at after he accomplished it all, after he had everything his heart could have wanted. This is what he says, Ecclesiastes 1 verse 2. Uh, everything is meaningless, 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 utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all of their labor at which they toil under the sun? Generations uh, come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets 
and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All the streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, uh, there they, they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never uh, the eye never has enough seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has, what has been uh, will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before your time. Just reading this feels depressing. Like this guy had it all, only to discover it was completely it was completely meaningless. You see, this is the condition that you and I live in. The world promises you if you just get more money, you're going to be happy. If you just get more stuff, you're going to be happy. If you just hold that grudge on that person, you hold on to that stuff, you are going to somehow be strong. And in reality, we're being sold on, on empty goods. We're being sold on used up, washed up lies. And it's time you and I step up out of that, that we reject the lies that you and I have been given because if we don't, we enter into what I call the insanity loop. And the insanity loop is this. I spend my life chasing something, career, relationships, money, whatever that is. And I get my goal, I reach my goal, just like many A, uh, A celebrities, right? A-list celebrities, right? I attain it all, I got it. And then when I get there, I realized I'm still not full. Something is still missing. So here's the insanity loop. I just set a further goal and then I get more money, more fame, more things, more stuff, and it's still not enough. And then I push that goal back and, and man, no matter where that goal is, every time I attain it, I'm completely empty. Or we just replace it with some other pursuit. Guys, it's time you and I reject a lie. This Christmas season, we gotta be able to free ourselves from all of the stuff and the lies that you and I hold on to because, man, the pursuit of the wrong things, it's holding us back and it leads to deep-seated emptiness inside. I, I gotta tell you, sometimes too much of a good thing makes you sick. Sometimes, right? Too much of a good thing makes you sick. For me, my favorite food, right? Favorite foods is French fries, potato chips, cookies, ice cream, chocolate. Those are like, for me, the five food groups. But how many of you know I can only eat so much of that? Because when I eat too much of that, my blood sugar's not good, my cholesterol's up. Man, I, I become a hot mess, right? Gotta go to the doctor, not feeling good. The reality is too much of what we think is good for us actually hurts us. So there's been some recent studies on, uh, on the economy and on earners, right? Higher earners. This is, this is what some of the studies indicate. Unhappiness about money is most common in higher income bracket. So the more money you make, the less happy you are. People who make over $125,000 a year are exponentially two times more unhappy than people who make less. Uh, that study also indicates that 43% of Americans have gone into debt trying to buy happiness. 33% of them say that they would choose money over love. 
Could you imagine that? So Forbes magazine went ahead and did a study, and this is the study that they published. This is how the title of the article read. 79% of Americans believe more money will make them happier. Here's why they're wrong. Like Forbes magazine wrote that. Harvard University did a study and posted the article that says this. This is an excerpt from the article. Research shows that after we make enough money to pay our bills and save for the future, making more does little for our happiness. If anything, uh, once people start making a lot of money, they begin to think they're doing worse in life. The more you have, the worse you feel you're doing because they become obsessed with comparing themselves to those who are richer, to those who have more. So there's this relationship but in this not enough mentality. The world tells you, right? Our society tells you, you need more to be happy. More money, more from your career, more from your relationships, more, 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 more. The problem is we have an insatiable appetite and the more we have of anything, the more damage it actually does to you and I. So King Solomon, in writing Ecclesiastes, you get all the way to the end if you can bear it. If you can get through this, and we say, hey, he must have been depressed. I mean, this is a guy who's just really sharing his life experience and what he discovered. He gets all the way to the end of this book and this is what he writes. This is what he discovered, finally discovered the source of joy and contentment really were. Ecclesiastes 12, 11 says this, the words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Let's stop there. What in the world does that mean? What's a goad? A goad was actually a sharp tool or a prong that shepherds would use in pushing oxen. So a goad would encourage them by poking them with a stick to move in the direction the shepherd would want them to go. Then that scripture goes on and it says, firmly embedded nails. So words of the wise are like, uh, it's like firm nails that make you secure. Words of the wise push you in the direction that you need to go if you are a teachable person. Some of the people that make the greatest mistakes in life are people that are not teachable. And what King Solomon's telling you and I is if you're wise, you're going to be teachable. Then he says this, verse 12, be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them, right? Anything in addition to wise words. Of making many books, there are no end. And much study where is the body. Now all has been heard, right? I've considered everything. I've heard everything. I've read everything. The greatest books this is what he's telling us, right? Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. What's the purpose of my life? What is going to give me a deep sense of joy, right? All these things he's telling you in life have failed. And he knows, he's had it all. And he says, here's, here, here's what I conclude on the matter. Fear God and keep his commands. Fear God, put, prioritize God as, as first in your life. And the truth is God doesn't want to be number one in a long line of many things you and I serve in life. He wants to be the one and only in your life. You want to be blessed, put God first. God gives you a promise in scripture. Put, uh, put first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given to you. Seek first the kingdom of God, one scripture says, and everything, or one version says, and everything will be given to you. So what is our life's goal? If you wanna find joy and happiness, you gotta be able to prioritize God as your single most greatest passion in life. And from this relationship with God, everything flows. From this relationship with God, I am a better husband. From this relationship with God, I'm a better father. From this relationship of intimacy, I'm a better pastor. From this relationship, 
my life pours out, right? Scripture says our, we're like, like drink offerings, like our lives are poured out in ministry. And, it, and, and you might be sitting there going, hey, I, I'm not sure if I'm in ministry. Look, if you're a follower of Jesus, the day you said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life, that day you entered ministry. Maybe it's not the conventional idea of ministry that we see in a church setting with a title or a label, but every Christian's life is a life of ministry. You're called to be poured out like a drink offering. And so many of us as believers, we miss the mark because we tune in more to what the world says we need, our priorities need to be and less of what God says our priorities need to be. This Christmas, I don't know about you, but I'm making a shift. I'm taking my eyes and my focus off the gifts. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to have gifts at my house. Of course, I'm going to give gifts to my kids and I'm going to receive gifts. But my focus of my eyes is not going to be the work of Christmas. It's not going to be the stress of Christmas. It's not going to be the stress of gifts. My focus is going to be Jesus. My focus is going to be a commitment to my Lord and Savior that I'm going to project faith into a holiday season. And I'm not going to get caught up in irrational spending. I'm not going to get caught up into uh, just unwise financial decisions because I feel this unhealthy need to make people happy. Happiness is a fleeting feeling in life. So how do I make it real? Like, how do I put Jesus first in this holiday season and not get caught up with the commercialization of Christmas? Because that's really what we're talking about, right? We get so caught up. And, and guys, what I want most for you is not to get caught up in a commercialized Christmas. I want you to get caught up in Jesus. I want you to get caught up in, you know, the reason for the season. And, and how did we do that, Joe Marie and I? Early on in our marriage as, as Christ followers, we made a decision. When Christmas comes around, the whole Christmas season, starting in December, we read the Christmas story with our kids. One little chapter uh, a week, and we talk about it, and we go there as devotions, right? The content of our talk is going to be very faith-based. And then when Christmas uh, Day rolls around and it's time to open gifts, that's not the first thing that happens in the morning. We wake up and we read the Christmas story together. We open the story and we sit down with our kids when they're, you know, ever since they were little, we would read the Christmas story. And then right before we give gifts, we reminded each other the reason why we gave gifts. This gift that I'm giving you, please don't let the focus be the gift. Be reminded that this gift represents something. And it represents more than my love and affection for you. It represents his love and affection for you. And this gift that I'm giving you, let it remind you of that. Like, that's what Joe Marie and I did with our kids. But you got to crawl your way out of the commercialization and the way you and I have been so inundated with holding on to things, right? They become habits, commercialization of Christmas and the habit of just holding old wounds and stuff in our lives. And you got to realize that for you to really enjoy life, Jesus talks about that in John 10.10. 10, he talks about living life abundantly. How do you live life abundantly? That's a promise of God in scripture that you could have life abundantly. And so many of us are just so stressed out every day. <laughs> How do we live life abundantly? An abundant life can only be lived in the present. Can only be lived in the present. If you are bound up with guilt from your past or paralyzed by fear of your future, you will never live in the moment. You see, for me, What's the greatest way you can kill anxiety in your life, that you could stop anxiety in your life? You let go of the past and trust that to Jesus, and you let go of the future and trust that to him too. And the commitment that I make is, God, this day I'm going to live for you to the fullest. 
God, today I want to live for you in my marriage. Today I want to live for you, God, as a father. I want to live for you today, Jesus, as a radical follower who wants to share my faith with people around me who are lost or in need of your love, your grace, and your mercy. It's a radical commitment to being present in the moment because you got to choose at some point as a as a, a believer, no matter where you're at in your walk, whether you're spiritually seeking or you're not, maybe you've been in Christ 20 years, is that I, I want to be caught up with the things of God. I don't want to be caught up holding on to all this baggage and all this stuff. So how do you enjoy your life, right? That's a question we all have. I just want to enjoy my life. How do you practically enjoy your life? Stop chasing happiness and pursue joy. Stop chasing happiness and pursue joy. You see, <laughs> happiness is a fleeting feeling that's situational. You're not going to maintain that for long. But yet the world tells you, go chase happiness. Follow your heart. And then we follow our heart to disaster. We follow our heart in spending until we find ourselves in debt. We follow our heart in relationships. And then we just practice breaking up with one, getting into a relationship with another, breaking up there, getting in a relationship with another. Because every time I'm unhappy, I book. Right? Instead, the biblical concept is joy. And scripture says we can only find joy in Christ. He is, our, he is our joy. Joy doesn't start with changing your circumstances. Joy starts in it with a change in you. What has to change is my perspective. I have to choose to anchor into the promises of God, the goodness of God, and not the best of what the world has to offer me. The second thing that we can do to experience joy in life is stop complaining. Complaining doesn't just make you complacent. This is what scripture says, Philippians uh, uh, 2, uh, 14, 16. Do all things without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent. So if we grumble and we complain, scripture actually says we are not innocent, right? We're, we are to be blamed. This is what it says. Do all things without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run the race in vain or labor in vain. What scripture saying is you and I have to completely abandon this habit of complaining that we so easily get into and our society perpetuates. Literally, the Greek word translated uh, for complainer literally means one who is discontent with his lot in life. When you complain, it grows. Actually, when you complain, you become dissatisfied with everything in life. So yes, that's what I'm saying. If you complain about one thing, that habit grows and eventually you'll be unhappy with everything in life. And it's detrimental to the Christian life. Complaining has no place, guys, and I know it's hard, but it has no place in the life of a Christian. When we complain, it literally rewires our brain. That's what they find in modern uh, psychology and neurology, right? Is, is that it actually rewires your brain when you complain. It's changing our brains. And it actually ends up encouraging more complaining. And now we have a habitual pattern in our brain of complaining. And then we develop that perspective about everything that the glass is half full and everything in life is negative. And some of us struggle being happy. But the reason why you're unhappy is because you probably started with a habit of complaining. If you want to be happy again, church, you got to stop complaining. And you got to be able to focus on things that are good and holy and righteous and praiseworthy. Like create a habit of celebration in your life. For every complaint you make, you catch yourself doing that. 
You need to respond with five things that you are celebrating in your life. And if you can't think of what you're celebrating, you're not allowed to complain. Because what ends up happening is our brains are literally changing. And the enemy of your soul is feeding that. Complaining has no room in the life of a healthy believer. And if we want to be healthy, this is what real discipleship is. It's not, oh, I can cite every scripture in the Bible. It's how much of the Bible has changed me. That's real discipleship in our lives. Number three, social media may be community, but it's not the community you were created for. Like you want to be happy. You want joy in your life. You want to get rid of old habits and move forward in health. Surround yourself with healthy community. What's healthy community? It's people who are where I want to be. It's people that in faith inspire me. It's people in my life that are going to steer me in the right direction. Too many of us are cursed today because you're walking with the wrong crowd. So many of you are at the wrong place in your life and you sit there in your situation and you're like, man, I never thought I would be here right now. Five years ago, I would have never thought I would have been here. Well, you're here because you've been walking with the wrong people. You got to be able to move people that are steering you in the wrong direction. You, You need to Stop allowing them to influence you and position yourself in the lives of people who will steer you in the right direction. People who their life is where you want your life to be. That, that, that's really what we need to do and that's gonna bless us and allow us to experience a happier, healthier life. Number four, the number one cause of death of your passions in life is your envy. Stop looking at other people in our lives, right? Stop looking at what they have and comparing ourselves. That brings us back to the uh, comparison uh, trap. Life is sweeter when you celebrate. Develop a habit of celebration. There shouldn't be a day that goes by. And this is important for the life of every maturing believer, right? How much of the Bible has changed me? Every day I should celebrate God and what he's doing in my life and in the life of others. And if you struggle to see it, you need to go to your accountability partner and ask him to help you see it. Because I promise you, God, God is moving. Life is sweeter when you celebrate rather than complain, right? That's the truth. And then Solomon discovered this last one that was so important for us, right? Remember your creator, he says, in the days of your youth. Remember your creator. So when we sit here and we're feeling bogged down by the stuff of life, I need to redirect my focus and I need to have a radical return in my heart to Jesus. I need to have a radical return. Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says this, I love this. He says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. What is he saying here? If this was to be tweeted today, what does this mean? It means better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does matter. Better to have less of what doesn't matter and better to have more of what does matter. Guys, it's, it's time you choose to give some stuff away. Honestly, in your life, maybe it's things that you and I have been holding on to that we've been storing up that we're like, hey, you know what? Man, I'm a little bit of a hoarder. I, I, I might need this one day. And you haven't used it in three years. Guys, when we hoard and we collect things in our lives, I'm talking about physical things right now. When we do that, it's actually the absence of faith. It would be better to give it away. Uh, imagine, it, imagine it this way, that the things we're pursuing are actually robbing us from what we want most. He, here's the truth, that we end up collecting things that we don't need rather than giving them away to people who do have the need. To give, a, to give away what you might need in the future to someone who needs it today is actually faith. Think about that. It's trusting God that what I need 
will be given to me when I need it. If you don't use it, give it away. Bless someone with it. I gotta tell you, I've seen God move mountains in my life simply by being generous and giving away things I don't need to people who actually need it rather than hoarding it and holding it back because of fear that I might need it. It's the absence of faith. You wanna walk out in faith. It's time to let go. It's time to, to, to give those things away. It's time to no longer align yourself with my possessions bring me purpose. My possessions are my identity. You are not what you own. You are not what you own, folks. And when it comes to the emotional things we're holding on to, great gift to give yourself this Christmas is to say, Jesus, you forgave me of my past. I don't have to hold this anymore. I give it to you. I walk away from it. Lord God, I made mistakes, but Lord God, they don't define me anymore. The things I own don't define me. My past mistakes don't define me. So what in the world defines me? Your creator defines you. And he says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Your creator gives you worth. Your creator gives you value. It's not the stuff that weighs you down. Man, I want, I want less of the stuff that weighs me down and more of the stuff that matters in my life. It's a radical realignment. And what has to shift for you today is your perspective, right? I'm gonna take my focus off of stuff, things. It's bogging me down. I wanna live a life in freedom and in my heart, and in my life. And I'm gonna assign myself, I'm gonna shift myself, I'm going to redirect myself that my focus is on greater, more important things in my life. Guys, today you gotta shift your focus from the stuff of life to the God who redeems your life. Paul says this in his letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy uh, 6, 17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uh, uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Are you accumulating on earth what you can't keep? Are you accumulating on earth what you can't keep? Or are you investing in heaven what you cannot lose? Guys, that's a question you really gotta ask yourself. Am I holding on to the things in this life that I can't keep? Or am I storing up for myself treasure in heaven that I can't lose? Guys, this Christmas season, I encourage you, starting today with this first Sunday of December, choose to have a radical realignment. By faith, God, I'm not gonna wear the weight of the stress of the holidays. God, I'm not gonna overspend this holiday. God, I'm not gonna buy gifts out of guilt, shame. God, I'm not gonna buy gift guilts for my kids because I, I want them to be happy. I, I can't buy happiness. So, so what am I gonna do? I'm gonna be the mother and father they need. I'm gonna be the follower of Jesus I need to be. And you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna prioritize talking about this this Christmas. I'm gonna prioritize relationship and time and I'm gonna be present. I'm not gonna be a workaholic this Christmas season. I'm gonna to choose to be present with my family because God, I recognize that I want less of what doesn't matter and I want more of what does matter. Guys, choose to travel light this Christmas. Take off of yourself the heavy weight you've been wearing. What we wear is a choice 
And today, it's time to change. Guys, God bless you. Let me pray for you uh, before service is over. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for you are so good, Jesus. Lord God, change our hearts and our minds, Lord. I pray, God, that um, we would not accumulate the stuff of life, whether it's emotional or it's the things that bog us down and weigh us down, Lord God. Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be what you called us to be, Lord God. I pray you'd help us, Jesus, to prioritize what truly does matter in this holiday season and to remember the reason for the season. That's you, Lord. We place our faith and our trust in you. In your name, Christ Jesus, amen and amen. Guys, God bless you. Hope to see you guys this coming Sunday. Make sure you invite a friend. I know God is gonna help you to discover more ways to travel light. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. We have a new message that comes out every week. You can click the link in the description below to follow us on Facebook or Instagram, or jump onto our website at fusionchurchny.com for more information. We would like you to be a part of what God is doing at Fusion Church, so please subscribe to our podcast and share it on social media. Make sure you tag us. We want to get to know you and feel free to rate us and leave a review.